Let's get the party started. When was the last time you shit your pants? You think I'm a damn fool? I shit my pants last night. <laughs> it's a beautiful planet. Well, it's a moon. Fur. Sure. I'm sick and tired of all this bullshit. Put that in your fucking pocket. What's up, everybody? Josh, the Clearing Waivers Podcast, coming at you for another episode of the Clearing Waivers Podcast. Hope everybody's week has been really good. Hope you're all doing well. Hope you had a fine Mother's Day. Shout out to all the mothers out there. Uh, happy belated Mother's Day from the Clear Mothers podcast. We all wouldn't be here without a mother, so we always appreciate the mothers. Um, tonight, we've got some Royals to talk about. We've kind of put the Royals a little bit to the back burner, and uh, with a week that they've had, <clears throat> they probably deserve to be there a little bit longer. But seeing as how most of us are being heard through Royals Review, we should probably talk a little bit more Royals. So tonight is all Royals talk. Um, we're going to find plenty of things to talk about. There are quite a few things to talk about. We're going to try to hit as many as we can in this hour. Um, I think I saw last scoring update I got against the Tigers tonight was seven to nothing. So nothing beats getting absolutely ran out of town at your own home stadium than going to Detroit and getting your shit kicked around. So a lot of, lot of anger in the fan base that we're, uh, we're going to address a little bit tonight. So We've got that. Uh, we've got a new segment to kind of roll off to roll off the truck and debut tonight as well in the clearing the waivers. And then we're going to get into sh- some some shenanigans. I think I do that little shimmy thing every time I do that. Get into some shenanigans. Somebody should really think about changing that. Hmm. Have if only we knew somebody to come up with that. Uh, who knows? Who knows? Who knows how to do that? But. I hope you guys are doing well, uh, Brian and Kitty. I hope you're doing well. Hope your weekends were good. I'm not going to ask you about it because we've got to get to some stuff. So, without further ado, let's clear the waivers. We're clearing the waivers. Royals stink all of a sudden. Um, sure seems to be the case. Uh, I think they've lost nine of the last ten into division foes. So not great to watch on all arounds, but <clears throat> we're going to kind of talk about some of the things that we've seen from the Royals this past week. Um, some of the bad things that we've seen about them uh, more, more so, but uh, Brian, I'm going to start with you. What was your big, uh, the thing that you've seen over the last week or two? I mean, the most painful thing was that Cleveland series. Uh, that was kind of the, the first sign of, of bad things starting with this team. They, they dropped one couple in uh, Minnesota, but he thought we're coming back home against these division rivals. It's time to show that this team's legit. This team's real. And then the first couple nights, they just have gut-wrenching, kick-in-the-nuts losses where they had leads. The bullpen's kind of been there for them, been, been solid all year long, been really good in one-run games all year long. And then that series happened, and it's just every night they found a different way to give up a lead. Monday night, they gave up five in the seventh when we experimented our first time with Junis in the bullpen. He gives up two dingers. Not a great start, but you think, okay, that's just one game. He's got to get used to it out there. Go to game two, seven to three. You give up a three run in the sixth when Holland couldn't bail out Minor with the bases loaded and one out. Uh, but still. It's three to three. We, we battle until we don't. And then in the in the full run eighth off Stomont and Zuber in the uh, in the second game, kicked in the nuts once again. The offense just stopped doing things at in the back half of that. And then Wednesday, okay, let's recover, right? We got Singer on the mound. 4-0 lead after five. We got this, right? Nope. We're gonna nope. take down Bieber. Nope. We're not gonna take down Bieber. 
Mm-hmm. Three runs six with all the controversy, the Angel Hernandez bullshit. Junis <laughs> gives up another homer. Two, Jose Ramirez. Who's yep. the one guy we said we shouldn't let beat us anymore on Cleveland? Jose right. Ramirez. Josh Naylor. <laughs> and then Josh <laughs> Naylor put the nail in the coffin off yeah, a waiter. He's, he's 1B, Josh Naylor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, man, it, it was – as you can see, there's a lot of names in that bullpen that let us down in that series, and they kind of continue to let us down. When uh, we kind of came in this year thinking, you know, coming off last year, it was a big strength of this team. One of the, the, the better parts of, of 2020's short, short season was the bullpen. Uh, I had some new characters out there, some new older characters out there. Um, and, and they're just starting to get beat up and you just can't trust those guys. And you, you go into that Chicago series and we're all looking around each other, asking each other, like, who do you trust in this bullpen right now? Because <laughs> I don't know who it is. Like right. Scott Barlow was, has answered the bell pretty often. And he's he for good reason. We use him in clutch situations. Matheny trusts him for good reason. I think we kind of joked about, you know, we we probably trusted him the least of a, a, a threesome of guys that we threw out uh, before the year started mm-hmm. and said, but, you know, Matheny obviously trusts Barlow over Stamont. And I can't even remember who the other guy we talked about was, but he Barlow's answered the bell. He's really been the only one that's been consistent out there. Mm-hmm. Um, other than that, you've seen some guys with some shaky outings and, and you have big time doubts now when you go to the bullpen and when you added, add to that, the fact that, you know, they just put up the stat, I think, tonight that in this losing streak, they've been outscored 32 to six from the sixth inning on. And it's just mm-hmm. like once once that you know collapse starts in the bullpen, our lineup is doing nothing to pick them up. And it's just bad to worse. And it's tough to watch right now. And, and you go into that White Sox series and kind of expecting the worst. And God damn it, they gave us the worst. They just <laughs> were never really in any of those games. And it's just been pretty, pretty struggling to watch this team lately. And uh, I think, you know, we talked about when the going was good, we said, you know, and Matheny said, you know, we feel like we're not even playing our best baseball. We're not clicking on all cylinders. Well, we also didn't see them uh, click, click on zero cylinders and right. nobody on the team is helping them out. Starting pitching has been bad. Bullpen's been bad. Lineup's been bad. They can't come together at all to pull it together to win a game right now. And mm-hmm. it's a, it's baseball. It's part of it. You know, it's going to, they're going to come out of it at some point, but man, it's, it's tough to watch right now, but those gut wrenching losses were the worst for me the last week. I the shame, think the Bieber, really yeah, the Bieber one is the one that just stands out to me. It's just, you've got, you're down, you're up on Bieber four zero mm-hmm. and singer was cruising. And then just the wheels fell off so hard, so quickly in that inning. And it just, once they started getting, putting guys on base and scoring runs, it just, that feeling of it, Oh, this is not good at all. We, mm-hmm. I don't know. If we're going to stop this from, going the wrong way and it just mm-hmm. never happened it couldn't, couldn't stop it that it's that quicksand feeling i think <laughs> yeah, yeah Old, uh, shane falco from the replacements narrowed That's it down right. but basically like you get stuck and you start to feel like you're getting a little bit stuck and you start to expect it to be quicksand so you start to expect to sink and then it's you know just downhill from there you need that guy that's going to break that cycle and, and, and get over that hump. And I think that's only going to come with time, especially with Singer. Like, he's got that fire in him. I, 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 I 100% think that he's going to run into trouble, and eventually he's going to get over the hump and, and be able to shove. You did mention, like, he was dealing, was cruising. It does seem like every time social media starts talking about how good he's pitching, then it all falls to shit. So let's all get – very like group mentality and collectively not brag about Brett, <laughs> Brady Singer until 
he's, he's done. He's done for the night. Yeah, we're gonna we're, we we treat all his starts like a no hitter. Absolutely, nobody That's talked right. about this. Yep, one hundred percent. Nobody talked about this. Not even like Royals pitching seems to be doing well tonight. Not even that. <laughs> I don't I don't need any of that. But it always seems like Brady Singer is shoving until he's not, and 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 that uh, is one thing that's probably going to come with time. But uh, but right now it's just not you know not clicking to. Uh, to stop the bleeding and get out of the inning but uh i have faith that they'll be able to do that we'll see how it, how it goes from here kitty what's the what's the worst thing that you've seen over the last couple of weeks one of the things i've noticed is it probably goes hand in hand when once you see a team start to lose you start noticing a lot more things that they're doing just little things that go wrong and it's one of the things is lack of fundamentals at times mm. uh case in point was couple of the things that happened on Sunday's game against the White Sox. I mean, that game kind of got out of hand early, but there was a moment. It was first and third, one out, fly ball up center field. Michael A. Taylor airmails it to home. No reason. The ball was hit plenty deep enough to score the run. He airmails it home. Guy gets to second base. Now you have second man on second with two outs. Next guy up hits a double or single down the line. And I don't think that guy would have scored from from first on that hit who was it was it jose abreu that advanced i thought whoever it was was like he has no business advancing on a sack fly to to center field right i can't remember who advanced second base but there's no way he would have scored from first base on the next came out and so that right there you just gave up a run for no reason i mean not getting the guy at home Mm -hmm. i mean it was a close play if you want to call it that but Salvi also came up, cut the ball off a couple of feet in front of the plate. And so it's just, you're not going to get him out. So that, yeah. that type of play is just it's unnecessary. Just take, take your losses, take that one run loss, go down two to one, stay there. And then there's another play later where just the, uh, I think it was Lopez doing a relay throw from, from left field. Yeah. Uh, short hop Salvi on a throw from just outside the infield. <laughs> I mean, you're that's a 120 foot throw. Hit Salvi in the chest, man. Mm-hmm. You had him. You had him beat by 10 feet. Yeah. That throws just average. You get the you get the out at home. So those kind of things, I feel like I don't know if it's a issue with the players pressing and those small things that, this, that you're supposed to do right. You're just you're trying to make the big play, and then you make you missed a small play. Nope. I feel like, I don't know if it's something I've just noticed recently because of the losing streak or it's happening all year, but it's those things just start to grind on you when a team's not playing well overall. hundred percent. There's no yeah. question. You focus on that stuff more in losses than you do. I mean, if someone covers that up by hitting a bomb late that wins the game, you forget all about that, that mental fart by Michael A. Taylor, you know, it's like right. that kind of crap. It's just like you just start thinking of like, oh, the Judas Homer, ah, the blah, 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 blah. <laughs> it's just all this stuff adds up to losses. And when it's an L on the board, everyone gets – everyone's in the crosshairs. You're all you're all game to be judged. Yeah, exactly. And I think – I mean, George Brett said something about it before the game. It was basically like when you're in a hole like this, you're in a drought like this, you're on a cold streak and losing streak like this, you start to press a little bit, you start trying too hard. And he wants you to try easier and right. for whatever that's worth. Um, that's fun, fun phrase. Yeah. <laughs> it's uh, I, I think I retweeted it with the, uh, the gif of Kunu from forgetting Sarah Marshall is like, no, no, do less. 
when he's trying to surf. That's what it sounds like. It sounds like gibberish. It sounds like absolute gibberish whenever it comes to that. Maybe um, we uh, start uh, happy hours before the game starts. I'm into that. I Just, mean, I uh, think kind of loosen them up. 100 percent uh what george brett would do in that situation <laughs> they, just a uh, round of fireball shots in the clubhouse 100 the percent. there we go and there's been plenty of plenty of articles uh, around the web both i think royals review covered it a few times uh, but it's no secret that this royals team is not great defensively mm-hmm. uh, i think they're defensively and most metrics are one of the worst in baseball not your typical dayton moore team but that's going to kind of come whenever you add a Carlos Santana for his on-base percentage and Jorge Soler starts playing meaningful uh, innings out in right field. Uh, Nicky Lopez might get to him in a little bit, um, also <laughs> playing very, very badly. So it's just it's just one of those things. You start getting into guys like Whit Merrifield and Hunter Dozier, who are our utility guys. They don't get any like substantial innings and experience in their positions that they're out there most of the time in. And you kind of start to run into these situations. Um, I think fundamentally they could do a lot better, um, obviously, like Kitty was saying, and that's 100%. I think it's a product of both, you know, maybe not being, not getting enough reps in their positions because they're used to utility men or, and, or I should say uh, the fact that, you know, it, it, it's, it's also a, a product of pressing too much, trying to hit six round home runs, trying to make the, great highlight real defensive throws from center field that you have no business making michael taylor um so i I certainly i certainly see where you're headed with that and um i I certainly agree but that to me not the worst thing that i've seen over the last couple weeks let me tell you what the worst thing that i've seen over the last few weeks is it's fans it's these damn royals fans that I'm, i'm i'm constantly running into yeah i'm one of them i'm absolutely one of these guys but I've classified three fans that make these cold streaks so much worse. And that's number one, the shooting star fans. Everybody's burning brightly, especially right out of the gate. They're from spring training to I'd say the end of May, mm-hmm. <laughs> usually for Royals fans <laughs> that they burn brightly. If, if they're, if they're rolling, the Royals are winning, boy, let's start comping. Let's start talking about playoffs 20 games in. Let's start talking about the 2015 Royals and how they stack up against the 2021 Royals. This is great. Oh, oh, they're going to drop 9 out of 10 for against division rivals? Oh, blow it all up. Fire Dayton Moore, fire Mike Miner into the sun, and <laughs> trade Danny Duffy, Whit Merrifield, anybody of, anybody of value. Get them all out. Blow this up. Let's start over from Jump Street. Those are the I know Charlie's really really into it as well. <laughs> These shooting star fans, one hundred percent, they burn bright. They set everything around them on fire, and then they fade into the sunset, crash into the sea, and they stop paying attention at the beginning of June. They might show up maybe at the at the end of September with all these call ups just to get a little bit more hype and get you know get to get that hope renewed uh, back. But those shooting star fans are one hundred percent some that make this whole losing streak worse for sure i think the second category are the debbie downers they came into this season they knew this team would be awful and they can't wait to tell you how right they were every (laughs) win is good luck slash overachieving they'd rather be right than watch their team win so they get off by saying oh i told you so they're awful usually they're the most vocal when teams are losing just rubbing salt on the wounds just so they can you know, be right once. And they'd rather be right than watch their team win. Drives me nuts. Drives me nuts. Disgusting. I don't need, I don't need their Debbie Downer pessimistic voice 
tell us how smart they are in the midst of a, uh, a nine game sweepage. I don't need it. Wet blankets. Wet blankets. <laughs> the other problem with them is they really never go away. They just kind of quiet down. <laughs> they just wait for that next three game losing streak. Yep. If Royals are riding high, they're like, oh, what about that ad bat from X player? Or why, why can't Y player get balls over the plate? Shut up. Just enjoy it. Why are you in this fan base? Why are you root for any team if you can't enjoy the good parts? Whatever. Third category are the online coaches. Oh, I know why player X is not succeeding and player Y is succeeding instead of just realizing that 20 game sample size is not going to start a trend. They didn't figure something out because they're doing something. They're having a little bit of success at the plate. <clears throat> Nikki Lopez. They didn't figure something out. They are the same player they were last year. Period. Period. And your coaching is not going to be the reason that, you know, these figures, these fans are going to be smarter. So get out of my life with that. Get online coach bullshit. Get it out. Yeah. <sighs> Therapeutic. I'm just, I, it, I, I don't need it. I, I, I got nine out of 10 losses on my conscious already. I don't need your stupid takes. I don't need them. This is a, it's a long damn season. There's going to be ebbs. There's going to be flows. There's going to be peaks. There's going to be valleys. We're in the midst of a very deep, deep valley, a crevasse, if you will. <laughs> it's very hard to get out of it. We don't need the naysayers telling us that it's that the, that the world's on fire. We don't right. need it. And I mean, we talk about all the time avoiding that horrible start in April. I mean, that's usually what bad to average Royals teams have done in, in the past. And when you look at they had an awesome April this year and they've got a horrible streak they're on right now, if they can put an end to this anytime soon, they are not in this hole that they're always worried about being in that yep. you cannot climb out of. They're still somewhat in this race right now. Mm -hmm. And if you can stop the bleeding and kind of get things back on track, this team can do everything that we've talked about. And, and, and that doesn't mean they're going to be World Series contenders or even playoff contenders. I, mm -hmm. We talked – I don't think all three of us are considered optimistic for saying they'd even, you know, contend until the end of fall and they fall short they wouldn't make the playoffs probably but we thought that they'd be competitive all year long and i still yep. think all that stuff's on the board i think this lineup can still produce it's just not doing it right now the line the, the i love the starting rotation the guys that they got in they're not performing right now i, I think mm -hmm. they will so yes i'm with you i don't want to hear about this you saw them shooting stars are all call, also called fair weather fans mm -hmm. i don't want them get them out get out yep yeah, it's a little too early for the sky is falling situation. Yeah, absolutely. Go with just because of this ten game stretch right now. So, and I, I mean, yeah, it's also too early to say that they're playoff bound. Like Brian was saying, I mean, they're not. It's not time to plan the parade route. It's plan no. to you know take stock of what's going on. It's and time that doesn't to, mean you can't enjoy them winning. Right. That, you I can mean, be fair on both sides. You can be pessimistic, pessimistic and optimistic. You realize their flaws while also celebrating the fact that they're still winning. <laughs> it's easy. It's easy to do, and it's way more enjoyable. Just don't live and die with every game. Yeah. That's, That's basically all it is. damn season. <laughs> long yes, it is. Season. Um, speaking of kind of taking stock, we've got a new segment that we're going to incorporate tonight. It's called, What Have You Done For Me Lately? Where we're basically going to each one of us is as one player that has been recently doing their job and one player that has not been doing their job. Like we said, there's a yin to yang. There's a balance on this. We can be optimistic by also realizing that this team is flawed and there's players that aren't doing their job currently. I mean, they won't be necessarily. I mean, I, I, 
we'll talk about that in a little bit, but um, it just means that they're not doing it right now, not getting the job done right now. So Brian, I'm going to have you start us off. This was your segment. So I'm going to have you kick us off and, and show us how it's done here. What's a, what's your, who's it done for me lately? Well, I'm going to start off with the good here and that's Carlos Santana. And mm-hmm. since we brought him in, he has been everything that you wanted him to be coming in. And there were some people that were questioned maybe his, his down year last year, thinking maybe his bat slowed down. His average was bad last year, but he's come right back and he's right at or above his career averages all across the board. And he's been everything you want from him. The, the teammates love him. He, this year, he's batting 259. He's a career 249 hitter on base percentage this year to 383 compared Ooh. to three, 367 career. 383, baby. OPS plus is 133 compared to a 120 on his career. I mean, he's the guy that always gets on base and occasionally will give you a pop. And when he has hit his dingers this year, they've been in big situations a lot of times. So he has done exactly what they wanted to do, bringing him in. Great job, Dayton, going and identifying that guy and getting him signed up before really, you know, we really – anybody went after anybody, it seemed like. We went mm-hmm. after Carlos Santana and got him yep. and I'm locked up. So he's – you're doing your job, buddy. I, keep keep it up. The guy I need to pick it up a little bit is Jorge Soler. And uh, we all know he's a streaky hitter. He's always been a streaky guy his entire career. And I can say at least he's not looking like those first couple weeks of the year where every slider he swung out out of the zone and whiffed and it just looked like he was lost. He's not that guy right now, but he's still not putting the ball in play like we need him to put it in play. And mm-hmm. you're talking about uh, number three, number four, number five type hitter. We just can't afford that right now because mm-hmm. Witt's doing his job. Benny is now doing his job. Carlos is doing his job. We need you to do your job behind those guys, and that's driving them in. That is your job, and he's just not doing it. He's got a 276 on base percentage this year. His K percentage is kind of right on line. It's at 29.8. That's kind of what he is his whole career. Mm-hmm. His hard hit percentage, somehow he is in 99th percentile of hard rate, hard hit rate percentage, <laughs> even with a 191 batting average. That's crazy. So, but – when you look at the actual numbers, he's got the same number of home runs as Ryan O'Hearn and about a hundred more plate appearances. And we just can't have that. No. So I, we need him to pick it up. We know he can get hot and he can turn this around in a real hurry, but uh, I need him to do it. It's kind of weird. He's his barrel percentage is down that 6% while his hard hit percentage went up 8%. So it's, those are kind of weird stats that right. the barrel percentage is a combination of launch angle and exit velocity Whereas uh, your hard hit, it doesn't matter where you hit it. You could hit it a, a ground ball or straight up in the air if you've got, you know, exit velocity on it. So right. they're kind of two different metrics, and you can kind of interpret them how you want. But he's – I mean, they love to talk about on the broadcast how hard, hard these guys are hitting the ball these days. They're just not getting in play. And I don't know if it's going to translate anytime soon, but God, <laughs> <laughs> I need him to hit some balls in play or over the fence. Last I saw, he was hitting them really hard, but the ground ball rate, I think, was very, very high that that he's usually used to. Kitty, do you have that number at all? Oh, I've got it here. I don't have it in front of me. Currently at a 41.9%, whereas I guess his career average is 41.5. So he's hitting too many fly balls, maybe just or high, just. The high launch um, angle, hard hit balls. Possibly. It's weird because you look That's at weird. his numbers. I mean, it's kind of on par with the rest of his career. It's yep. just the other, you know, actual like results numbers just aren't coming through. So the that's why you shouldn't hit them. 
Yeah, and it, I like his swing percentage outside the zone is really not that much different than usual. It's almost a yeah. little better right now, actually, than career. So, I mean, yeah, I think he's, you know, his play discipline's okay. He just he just can't get that thing to line out where he needs it to. Yep. Launch angles uh, average of 15.1 degrees. Expected batting average is 236. Um, so that's still not exactly where you would want it. Yeah. But that's at least somewhat more doable, and it wouldn't feel – I would rather it be 236 than 191 for sure. Yeah. There's usually more dingers attached when you're hitting the ball this hard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The, uh, the other thing I was wanting to bring up was Carlos Santana. I remember when his, uh, when he signed his deal, people did not like the, uh, the dollar amount. It's like two years was it 18 million. Sounds right. Two years, 17 and a half average annual value of 8.8. I think he's well worth that. What he's doing oh, yeah. currently. Oh yeah. If he stays with his, on his career numbers, career averages with that on base percentage, that's going to be worth the money. And like, really, I, I I would think that Soler makes more next year. I would think maybe. And then Carlos Santana isn't nearly the liability at first base potentially either. He is one of the worst defensive first basemen in the league. He has made some decent plays, but he's just not, you know. Just is it the range? Just no good range. I think the range, and yeah, it's probably like the zone rating or whatever. Um, but that being said, I would still like to have both of them on the roster, <laughs> right? Yeah. So I, I'd like to see them extend Solaire. Regardless, he'd be pretty cheap at the moment. I think um, he's still hitting the ball hard, and like we said, there's not a lot of metrics that kind of disagree that his, you know, his numbers should be worse or where they are, but. Uh, yeah, hopefully. I mean, he's a dude, like you said, streaky hitter. He can absolutely carry an offense on his back for like five games by himself. Mm-hmm. And with Santana, Benatendi, with Merrifield, even Salvi Perez right now is hitting hitting really well. You, if any of those dudes get on, Soler's up, I, I, there's always a good chance for fireworks. So yep. hopefully he gets running. I think uh, he'll uh, the offense will have to run through him for a little bit uh, here shortly. But uh, I'm going to go next with mine. The guy doing his job currently is Chris Bubich after he was called up, especially after that disaster Lynch start that Kitty was referring to earlier. He came in, kind of picked up the pieces, went five and two thirds, didn't strike a lot of guys out, but did not allow that many base runners. Then he only allowed one hit, walked four, but he was generating all kinds of weak contact. That's kind of what he does. He's, he's very uh, good at generating weak contact. He's not going to strike a bunch of dudes out. Granted, most of these are coming, most of his, you know, sample size this year is coming from that start. So is White Sox with a 9-0 lead, <laughs> you kind of start to wonder how much they were trying to just get on the bus and get the hell into the hotel uh, as opposed to really rock Bubich's world at that point. But I would think in a division game, there's somewhat of a rivalry still there. I got to think that they're still swinging as hard as they can. But um, generated, like I said, generating weak, weak contact, Velocity on the fastball is down a tick from 2020 so far, but his secondary pitch velocity is up a tick. So it's kind of interesting that they're kind of meeting in the middle, potentially headed towards that, which is to me a little bit more deceiving. Like it's kind of like that greenkey uh, fastball. That's 89 miles an hour. looks like a changeup. kind of into that kind of into that idea. So if that's where he's headed, fine. If not, whatever, just keep, keep bringing the results, whatever you need to do. Um, his curveball is generating a 50% whiff rate. 
I'll uh, 100% take that. He had that was his best pitch last season. His whiff percentage in general is up, so I, I'm very interested in seeing how they kind of move forward with him, both the results that he's going to be able to produce as well as the role that he's going to have. Um, Matheny kind of teased that he's potentially at least worked his way into the conversation to be in the rotation. I don't know what you've seen from any other guys that could uh, potentially say, nah, there's no way Bubich is going to improve things in this rotation. So why not? Let's give him a shot, see what happens. If if Daniel Lynch is blown up again by the Tigers uh, on his in his start coming up, then we can really start talking about Bubich in that rotation, seeing what happens with Lynch, then back down to Omaha, see what he can work through. But And we've right got a doubleheader coming up. With, right. with the White Sox, so yeah, you could easily use them there and, and uh, get away True with story. it. True story. But yeah, I, I, for my from what I've seen the last week or so, Bubich is actually doing his job. Saved the bullpen quite a bit, ate some innings there for the Royals, and uh, uh, pitched well overall. So well done, Chris Bubich. You did your job. Thank you. Nicky Lopez, you are not doing your job. <laughs> not even at all. Not even a little bit. Your job is to get on base and play good defense at shortstop. And right now you are doing neither. Neither is happening. Over the last three weeks, 460 OPS with a 269 OBP. His fielding is negative five defensive runs saved and a negative 17.4 UZR per 150. It is your job to field well and to get on base. We don't expect power. When At this point, we don't even expect average. Just get on base. Don't hurt us offensively and be a be an absolute asset on defense. And right now you're doing neither. We need you to pick it up, bud. We, we're not expecting the world from you. So just meet us at the point where we expect you. It's not a lot. Just do it. Yeah, Nicky Lopez, do your job. It's really rough when Nicky Lopez, his glove's not working. It's really bad. Real, real black hole in the lineup and defensively. That's just, mm-hmm. You cannot have that from him at shortstop. And not a shortstop, period. Like it's such right. a such a valuable position. You can't have that can't have that hold defensively. And I, I mean, I, I've said this before. I have nothing against Nicky Lopez. I just think his his ceiling is limited. We mm-hmm. think that he could be a fine player, uh, a utility guy, maybe even a second baseman. I, I, I you don't really expect much out of that uh, position. So just you know, plug him there and, and hope he doesn't hurt you too much, type of thing. But, I mean, it's it, you just can't have this on both sides. Last year was somewhat redeemable because you were a Gold Glove finalist, um, even though you were an absolute liability at the plate. And then this year you come out swinging, had a really good start, and then since then it's been worse than last year. So I, we just it just can't, be, can't happen that way. Devil's advocate, we do need to say, caveat here, he spent his entire offseason and spring training trying to win that second base job that he had basically it was his to, to lose as we talked about and then all, all, right before the, the season starts Mondesi goes to the IL and he he figured finds out that he needs to play shortstop every day so I'll give him a little bit of a pass there I mean he grew up as a shortstop right that should have come natural to him but he's basically transitioned to a second baseman at this point and he's only filling in shortstop on emergency only at this point so you have to think if you get everybody back together and the, I'm, I'm just assuming they'll shift him back to second base where he was very good defensively at second base. Mm-hmm. I have no reason to doubt that he can't be a premier second base defensively where if you can have a shortstop playing second base, a decent shortstop playing second base, you can be 
above average at second base defensively. So he can he can go from <laughs> not doing his job to doing his job pretty easily by just moving to the other side of the bag, in my opinion. Do we give him another 30 games to figure that out and to get reacquainted with second base then? Absolutely not. I think that comes back to him immediately because that, that's what he'd been training to do. So I think I don't see I mean, any reason he had, why he wouldn't be a very good defender at second base when, once that happens. I don't know. He's He had plenty of action last year when Mondesi went. He was hurt 60 games last year, Mondesi. Wasn't he playing shortstop in those games? I don't remember. It's fact check time. Who cares? <laughs> just saying. It, I mean, we can't just keep giving him the benefit of the doubt here. He's got to figure it out. Well, not a shortstop. Well, I mean, at any point would be great. <laughs> at any position would be fantastic. Like you, said, like you said, he was a gold glove caliber second baseman last year. So he, he had... pick it up. He can pick it up right where he left off last year. And oh, it turns out I'm a big dumb animal. He had four games of shortstop last year. Thank okay. you very much. He did have so 33 at shortstop in 2019, though. So glad you looked that up. Not nothing. I'm, yeah. <laughs> Who cares? So he's had, he had more games at shortstop in 2019 than this year. So what the hell? Get it together, Nick. Get it together, Nikki. That's all we're asking. Kitty, what uh, what have you seen? Who needs to do their job? Uh who needs to do their job is Michael A. Taylor. These mm-hmm. last weeks, oh, Jesus. Seven for 36 with 17 strikeouts. <laughs> That's not going to get it done. No. 194, 237. Shockingly enough, his slugging is below his on base at 222. That's impressive. That's good stuff. So, yeah, solid 459 OPS. This is easily the worst case scenario of Michael A. Taylor hitting that we were all like most of the fans <laughs> were fearful of was coming in. When we signed him to play center field every day. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, Oh, we just basically signed Bubba Starling, the major league version that's been given way too long of a leash. And now he's just going to do the same thing that Bubba could have done in center field for 50 games with more money. Awesome. Yep. Mm-hmm. Really worried about this becoming the norm for him. I mean, he got off to that tremendous start the first two weeks. Everyone, we felt pretty good. Obviously, the first game. Yeah, that's true. Knew it wasn't going to keep going, but did not see this. He's he's definitely in the valley of the whole entire team that we're in right now. He might be the lowest of the low of all the guys. He's definitely like at that point where you you start to question, like, are we really going to give him the entire year in center field? As they talked about, like, we want him to give him every day in center field you just start to wonder, like, if this continues, is his defense really that valuable? Because I saw it again tonight. I don't know if you guys have really picked up on this at all, but he he does a really good job of sprinting and getting to a ball. And if it's, like, right on the verge of him, like, fully laying out and, and laying it all out to make the catch, like we've seen through the years of Alice Gordon and Lorenzo Cain, Gerard Dyson, like, just lay it all out to make the play. At the, at the last second, he just, like, pulls up to try to save it from going past him and mm-hmm. doesn't fully commit to, to trying to dive to save the ball and to catch the ball. I mean, it's just, it seems like it, it, he's just right on the verge of giving you that awesome five-star web gym that, that we, everyone was talking about. And then right at the end, he pulls up on it. And it's like, just go all out. I don't care if you miss it. I just want, I don't want to see you dive. I, I don't even think they're business decisions. I think he just gets freaked out about the ball getting by him if he misses yep. it and <clears throat> screwing up and looking like an asshole. But, 
I want to see trying, him just he's trying it. easier, Brian. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's true. That's and definitely as Kitty's Kitty, <clears throat> talked about before, we got so spoiled watching Alice Gordon and watching Lorenzo Kane for years just hey. get the balls no one else should be able to get to mm. and actually finish off the play. You, you see these guys that they kind of get to the ball, but they don't just don't have enough to, to make the finish the play. So it's just I've seen a few of those plays where I'm just like, dang, I, I think he could have got that ball if he just lays out. Yeah, yeah I'm spoiled. It's incredibly frustrating as Royals fans now. <laughs> Kane out there for so many years and Gordon out there. Just that made every catch seemingly. And now, like, that ball is in the air forever. Why were you not underneath yep. it? Yep. What's wrong yep. with you? How dare it's like you? Packers fans uh, talking about quarterbacks. <laughs> <laughs> you know who you are. You're, if you're listening, you know who you are. I, I will say, what if I told you that Michael A. Taylor is on pace to have his best defensive year yet. Oh, I believe it. I believe he's it. Got three defensive As, runs saved. His uh, UZR for good 150 plays. 17. He, but he's, he's made some good plays. It's, we're, again, we're spoiled. He's just not making the yeah. phenomenal <laughs> plays that we expect. Yeah, do your job and make the, make the five-star plays, Michael A. Taylor. I oh, mean, he's he, gonna, he needs to if he's going to OPS 459. Yes. I mean, he literally had two defensive runs saved the first game, right? Yes, that was Isn't it. that how that's yep. calculated? <clears throat> I, think I think that's so. how it is. <laughs> I mean, he might have lost one here and there with that with that uh, White Sox game, but yeah. yeah. True. Yeah. All right. All right. Who's going to do To the guy getting done, Ben Intendi. I called him washed two mm. weeks ago. What happened since I called him washed? 357, 413, 548. A solid 961 OPS. Locked wow. So I don't know. Hopefully Michael Taylor now turns it on after I called him, call him, call him out. Because mm-hmm. hopefully it doesn't do the same thing where we just go even Steven and one guy goes up, one guy goes down. Thank you so for doing that. But Ben and <laughs> Ben and Tendi, I I was a little worried because he had a pretty bad 2020 and the Red Sox paid the Royals to take him off their hand. <laughs> yep. So that's always a uh, red, small red flag for uh, a major league team. But he's Kind of turned it on since that first two weeks of the year, and just he's getting hits. I mean, yep. maybe this, maybe it's an empty three fifty seven, but he's he's swinging the bat well, and hopefully, just keep it going. Doesn't need to be obviously a nine sixty one OPS good, but right in that getting in that seven seventy five to eight hundred range would be all you'd ask for from your number two hitter. For sure, slot into the line all year. So just yeah. keep getting on base for when Solaire gets hot. Then the, exactly. his home runs count for two or three instead of one. Salvi too. Yep. Maybe the uh, the more fun than solo home runs. Right. <laughs> the the fun thing about that Benatendi trade. Anyone take want to take a guess at Franchi Cordero's current? Let's say his OPS. Gotta think it's around like six hundred. Like okay. he's for him. It's four twenty-eight. Whoa, <laughs> four twenty-eight. He has a thirty-seven percent strikeout rate. How many bats for him? D- didn't he hit like two dingers in one game the other day? He has. This says he has zero, but I think it was oh. a, it was some kind of extra base hit that was okay. a yeah game winner. Gotcha. Eighty-one plate appearances so far. <laughs> Yikes. Um, uh, not high, good. High ceiling, low floor player in Cordero. The thing is, like his his floor was so low because of his injury history. They talk about his athleticism was basically going to be like when he's on the field, he's going to produce. Yep, not so much, not not so much, guys. 
not so much so i mean yeah that deal's looking better and better depending on what khalil lee was i, I did hear a rumor that potentially he could see some action in uh, new york soon mm-hmm. um so we'll have to keep an eye on that to kind of really see who won that trade but yeah so far been attendee trade looking really good and going back to your you called them wash two weeks ago we i, I need I'm going to have to go back and see what our batting average is of players that we either talk up or start talking <laughs> shit on and then what they do over the next two week period, because it's very good how, how the opposite uh, relationship occurs. Yeah. I believe uh, Stalmont was mentioned last Stalmont week. Stalmont was very much Real mentioned like, last oh, week. Oh, I'm so sorry, Danny. Try yeah. to pull the call around that. One. Brian really, <laughs> Brian put the kiss of death on Danny Duffy. Yep. I think I said something about Daniel Lynch. <laughs> oh, yeah. He has banged the door down. Josh forced himself into this rotation. Oh, oh, boy. Well, we'll see. We'll see how that all goes. So keep an eye on, uh, let's see, Ben Attendee, Michael Taylor, Carlos Santana, Jorge Soler, and Chris Bubich and Nicky Lopez. Could be a fun ball street to work on next week. We'll have to see uh, how the week turns out. But, Soler uh, breakout coming. That's right. There it is. That's right. Look out, world um so yeah that's what we got for clearing the waivers uh hopefully our uh uh, karma and what we're releasing into the universe does something and snaps them out of this i haven't seen the score yet but i'm just assuming that jorge solaris hit three home runs since this podcast started recording great night but uh we'll see how that goes but uh we'll get to the shenanigans right after this and we're back time for some shenanigans starting off with the dfa in which we will part we will do that right now haven't done dfa in a hot minute at least not straight up so uh, i'm going to take the reins on this one i prepared a royals themed uh dfa question for you folks i should have a pen and paper but i don't at the moment so i'm gonna have to keep track another way uh for for all the fans here to yell at me when i can't get answers right (laughs) (laughs) well this one I think this one has uh, some pretty good potential for you, Kitty. I think you're in in decent shape here. So I need you guys to come up with the last 10 opening day starting pitchers. Oh. I'm not going to give you any any clues, but I've got some prepared for you here. But, um, yeah, let's start off with – Okay. Yeah, let's start off with Kitty here. Kitty, what's your – What's your first guess here? I go Keller. How'd you get him? <laughs> Keller is correct. He was opening day starter of 2021 and 2019. Brian. So, since he did two of them, does that mean it's just one point? Right. But so it goes back to the last 10 pitchers at opening that pitcher. Yes. Last 10 opening days starting pitchers like. 10 different players. Yeah, gotcha. How about let's go back a little ways to James Shields. James Shields in 2014 is correct. Well, then. 2014? Back to Kitty. That was 2014, yep. I'm going to go with Grinky. Grinky was in 2010. That's correct. Nice. Just one year. I feel like one of these years not too long ago, Danny Duffy. Duffy, not too long ago, last year. Yep. <laughs> there you Indeed, go. not too long ago. Well, I called it then. You guys are rolling. Four for four. Kitty, back to you. 
This is where I fall apart. Yeah, this is where my memory goes <laughs> to crap. Who was good in 2018? Oh, I was. Let's see here. God, this is. We may have some embarrassing ones on this list, too, if you're going to 10 back. There's one that there's no chance that you're getting. Really? Yep. Yeah. How far Sounds that? like a challenge. I, I would love for you guys to prove me wrong. I will also say uh, 18, let's see, 18 and 17 were both Duffy as well. So, yeah, you've already okay. got 18 and 17. Well, that's... And 19, 20. Yeah, you've got the last five years covered oh we're going way back then you might well let's go far back let's go uh uh just do it wow daryl may is not on this list but i love that he's a guest that's great (laughs) (laughs) he was uh, that's a ways back that is a ways back that came up the other day when it was may day or it's gonna be may shout out to royals review very good. Good old Daryl May. Brian? How about Gil Mesh? Gil Mesh, 2007, 8, and 9 is on this list. We're going way back, baby. But he's not the earliest player on this oh, list. Oh, great. Yes. That's all I hear. All right, Kitty, back to you. Let's see. So we're still looking for 15 and 16. Who wasn't terrible back then? Man, that's right in the part of the World Series run. God, who was who would have been the 2015 guy? Mm. Guys, this is, this is <laughs> we did have some <laughs> big names on that starting roster, the starting rotation. Oh, my brain has gone to mush. My old age. I'm gonna go just go farther back and go with uh Renelvis Hernandez. Yeah, you are good, good guess, not on this list either. Uh, I had his name written down. So two strikes for Kitty. Back to Brian. How about old Eddie Vel Volquez? Volquez, twenty sixteen. Ah, good good one. Good man. He was sixteen. So yep. we still haven't got fifteen. Not fifteen yet. <laughs> And 15, honestly, really surprised me. I mean, there were, there were some very uninspiring names. Mm-hmm. Sure were. Kind of been the Royals pitching staff for a while. Kitty, we are back to you. We're on, nope, yeah. we're not on, we're not on a hint mode yet. Yeah, because I'm just the only idiot so far. Sure. <laughs> Usually it's me. <laughs> oh, good Lord. I'm glad I got the first two right. Uh, <laughs> I didn't look really stupid. Right, <clears throat> you got you got the layups. I give you bonus points for saying Daryl May, <laughs> even though he did, wasn't a right answer. I appreciate mm-hmm. the half point for Daryl May. Yep, Daryl May. Thank <laughs> <laughs> hmm. you. I'm trying to think of stupid names. But... I need an answer. But, uh, oh, I cannot think of anybody. No Royals pitcher. You don't have any Royals pitchers. <laughs> it's a real problem in my head. 
Jeff Supan. <laughs> Good guess, but he is not on this list either. That's way too far back. I think he probably would have been if he'd gone back 20 starters. He is a Royals <laughs> pitcher. <laughs> he was a Royals pitcher. That's correct. Okay, so Brian's winning this week. He's still got four names to cover and no options yet. He could do this. How about let's go back to that disaster of an opening day that Luke Hochaver had. Hochaver, was that in 2011? I don't remember what the year was. That would be when he made the opening day starter. So I think it was seven to nothing in the first inning or something like that, if I recall. I believe I I walked into that game after it was already seven. (laughs) (laughs) Let's go right back outside. Yep. So uh, three more to go. How about this may be, hmm, did they ever give him opening day? How about Jordano Ventura? 2015 was Jordano Ventura opening day. Great job. All right. Nice work. We only have two more names left. Two more names. This is where I'm getting dried up. Oh God! Because now we're we're probably going way back, aren't we? Because yeah, we've got twenty, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty, twenty-one, sixteen. Yeah, you'll you'll. uh, I mean, there's still one that's within the last ten seasons, and one that's not. Twenty thirteen is still out there. How about uh, let's go way back, Scott Ellerton? Scott Ellerton, twenty thousand and six. Correct. Bang. Oh! I cannot believe you got Scott Ellerton. <laughs> Unbelievable. How? How did you do that? And this will, uh, this the most obvious one that people are screaming is going to be the one that I'm going to try on. I don't left. know if it's that obvious, but I, the Scott Ellerton thing, it, it was wild. That's wild <laughs> to me. So it's the 2013 Open Day Charters you were looking for. Oh Incredible. no! Oh, Incredible. I think I've, I've got an idea. Oh God, save it because teamwork's coming. I've got an idea. It is confirmed as 2013. This is Maybe. 2012. Oh. I must have 2013 oh. was Shields as well. Oh, he did yeah. 13 and 14. I'm sorry. 2012. Yep, this is 2012. Oh no. Mm, mm, mm. I'm really running dry here. I don't think he was here. How about Urban Santana? Scott Ellerton. I cannot believe that. Uh, it is not Herb Santana, but I do appreciate the guess there. Okay. One option. All right. In, uh, I, need, I need some help, so I'm just going to go ahead and just throw a name out there and say Jeremy Guthrie. Okay, not guts. Okay, don't know if I'm gonna be any help. Okay, so the missing year is 2012, which we know, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, problem. I was thinking 2013, I was thinking old Lima time. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> the way he something captured the city in 2013, right? Bad team that won games. I mean, Lima did start 2005, so you're you're almost he was number <laughs> not 11. even in the right era. Well, he was number 11, so it was, okay. very, it was a lot closer than he thought. So um, are you giving hints? I am. Uh, he was 35-year-old lefty when he made his opening day start. 35-year-old lefty. Oh, God. 
And this is teamwork, Kitty. So if you got a name, yeah, I'm thinking. <clears throat> what number did he wear? <laughs> I can tell you that. 35 year old lefty. 2052. Had to be some terrible signing that just. Born in Panama. God off. Mm. What were his dimensions? 6'2, <laughs> 215. Oh. 16. Jose Rosado? Is he, is he that too, that too, that too early? He's even farther back. Hell, that's a good name that I'm going to come up with. Let's say it, Rosado. Bruce Chin. Oh, Chin music. Born in Panama. That's right. I did not know that. You really threw for a loop there. Bruce Chin, 6'2". Apparently. Wow. He really wears it well. Baseball references a bunch of liars on that front. Chin music. Got an opening day start, huh? Yep. 2012. Good for him. Man. You guys did. I, I thought you were going to get shin before you got Scott Ellerton. That is still <laughs> what a pull. What a wild to me. Absolutely wild to me. That was impressive. Well done. I thought uh, there. I don't know how many people were screaming Scott Ellerton. <laughs> Might have had a few screaming Bruce uh, Bruce Chin. That's true. Maybe. I know guys were screaming uh, Edison Volquez at me while I was naming. Yeah, him. yeah. That the might that might be a player. name that that uh, I. I always loved watching him pitch, but I don't know. I, I don't know if I would ever really think of him as one of the you know guys you would think of when you think of Royal starters. Right. He was he was integral in those World Series runs, but and he was kind of like most important right before that time. Yeah. Because yep. he wasn't really like a big factor in the playoffs necessarily. Kind he of a hell of a game one though. Guthrie was kind of in that kind of yep. same like ballpark of. Right. He really helped him get there, but he pitched in the 2014 a few times, though. Yep. Because he got in that hot water for wearing the shirt that these O's ain't loyal or whatever. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Why would he get in hot water? Because he wasn't much of a – wasn't doing much to help them with that? He was a traitor. He was a Baltimore <laughs> Oriole for years. <laughs> what have you done for me lately, Brian? That's what have right. you done for me lately? The O's did nothing um, for him. We got another fun, uh, kind of along the same lines, uh, waiver wire draft coming up here. It's gonna Royals fans are really gonna dig it. So let's get into that in there. So along the same lines of random Royals pitchers from the past, we're just doing random Royals. We're gonna draft our favorite random Royals. It could be a no name dude that you just love their name. Or it could be a big name that you completely forgot played for the Royals. We could do either one, but it's always fun to do these random Royals uh, challenges on social media. But uh, I've never been involved with any of them. I'm probably going to show a little bit of age on my fandom (laughs) with some of these (laughs) because I already 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 know that some people know these guys that I have. I had no idea were on the roster, but uh, (laughs) we're going to go. Brian's going to win the week here. I'm going to go next and then Kitty's going to go. So, Brian, go ahead and lead us off with your first random Royal. Okay, random Royal. My first first place my mind goes is just guys that were like played one year here or maybe two years at the end of the career. And you're just like, when you're a fan of baseball, you're just like, I watched this guy be really good for years, and now we're getting him at the, at the end when it's just sad. 
but you just in the back of your mind you hope well maybe he can just recapture that magic for a year in 2004 we brought in juan gonzalez (laughs) and juan gonzalez was one of my favorite players to watch for the rangers i mean this guy would hit 40 home runs just seemingly year after year after year and we brought him in he was 34 years old so yeah i mean at least that's what the birth certificate said 34 years old <laughs> you i mean you think he's 34 i mean he's not like dead hey maybe he could rally and get you something a little something we got him mm-hmm. on a one-year four million dollar deal i mean that's reasonable 2004 but then we got 33 games out of him and five <laughs> home runs oh god and then after that he had one plate appearances with Cleveland and was done forever. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Juan mm-hmm. Gonzalez hardly knew you, but I had had big hopes when you came in at 34 years old and you were going to hit 40 home runs and the, the Royals were finally going to have a 40 run <laughs> home run hitter. Oh yeah. Come R- to, he was, was RBI machine. Oh yeah. I was so pumped when they signed him. I thought that was, he was going to be so good. Long mm-hmm. gone. Not that's so always a, that's always a good go-to uh, to really like fake a fandom. Like fake how like knowledgeable you are is to pull out the Juan Gonzalez was a royal that one time. Yep, I think that's always a. Good oh, character. there are there are many on my list that fall in the same category yep. that some might not even know about. I'm gonna I'm gonna go along the same vein here uh, with guys that I did not know until today that in 1998 the Royals signed a 37 year old Terry Pendleton. Yep. Oh, wild. I had no idea that Terry Pendleton played for the Royals. He was second on my list, Josh. Okay. Well, I got good value then. <laughs> really good value. Uh, still put up, what was it, a 637 OPS for him at 37 years old, 1998? That's not bad. His OPS plus was 65, so not great. Not good. Not great, yeah. <laughs> very, very below average, but he's 37 years old. I know, and I wanted I to love, I loved Terry Pendleton because, uh-huh. like, when you – during that time – like you didn't get to see Royals games on TV unless it was nationally broadcast. So you got to watch mm. the Braves or the Cubs or whoever they were playing every, every once in a while. And so like early nineties, Terry Pendleton was like Tony Gwynn. He, yep. he, I mean, he won an MVP by just hitting the shit out of the ball, led the league back to back years and hits like wit does. So, I mean, I was so stoked when we got him. Uh, uh, and then it was just like, he's just a shell, <laughs> just a shell, <laughs> purely a shell. Pendleton. Yeah, that was definitely I. Braves could suck it. I'm a Cubs fan. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> we Cable went the Cubs, other way. Cable Cubs fan over here, so yep. I was all about I was all mm-hmm. about Ron Day and Ryan Sandberg and Shawan Dunstan. Mm-hmm. I will say that he did get negative zero point seven WAR, so not completely below, <laughs> not super below average, not like you would expect a a thirty seven year old to do. But I mean, <laughs> I think he was primarily DH too. I think so too. You can only you can only hurt them so much when you're only batting with a 62 WRC plus. Kitty, random royal number one for you. I'm gonna go more of the came up, burn bright, burn fast, and was gone quick. Mm-hmm. And my number one is Mark Quinn. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh the mighty Quinn. Oh hi. That he was before his time because. Mm. Nobody got cheated out of a, or Mark Quinn never got cheated out of a swing. Mm-hmm. Oh, and two count. I'm swinging for a 500 foot home run. Yep. Three and oh count. I'm swinging for a 500 foot home run. This is it. I'm either going to hit the ball really far or 
swing right through it and i couldn't get enough of that <laughs> because the one time the times he did run into the ball it was fantastic yep just glorious stuff so he's he, peter o'brien he yeah exactly he's uh what is it uh joaquin phoenix from signs swing away <laughs> yeah. swing away merrill that's right so, that's i love pick. mark Quinn. 99 to 02 four years of swinging the bat as hard as he could mm-hmm. saw him one time at uh Callie's look like a pretty cool dude. <laughs> I like that. Tell him you're a big fan. You'd be one of the only people I'd bet. <laughs> I tried to. He just ignored me. Oh, it's uh... <laughs> big time. That's all right. What are you going to do? No longer no. the mighty Quinn at that point. No. Nope. A... I think it was, a... it was a tail end of his career. He knew he was. He knew he was... <laughs> Start off starts the second, second round my, off. My second pick, very similar as a, a player i'm gonna go aaron guile yep he's on my list <laughs> i love me some aaron guile and one of the like my favorite quotes from him was when they were playing the giants barry bonds is in town you know the fly ball out to right field guile's out and right bonds on second base and bonds tags up it's a pretty deep ball out to right field and bonds isn't running hard and guile just launches the ball towards third overthrows the bags I'm out from as deep as it was. And the quote after the game was, why did you try to throw him out? He goes, oh, I saw he wasn't running hard. I don't stand for loafers. <laughs> he, Aaron Guile don't play that shit. He Aaron Guile calling Barry Bonds a loafer. <laughs> that is just fantastic. Uh, so right then, I was okay. Canadian. Uh, well, I'm a huge fan, Aaron Guy. You can do whatever you want the rest of your career. Just keep being you. Played the, played in the 2006 WBC. Yeah, I did. Really? Oh, there you go. Yeah. I did not know the World Baseball Classic was around in 26. Was that the what happened, one of the first ones, right? Hell, you'd think so. God, I think that was the first one. And you went two for nine. Go Canada. <laughs> go Canada. Um, I'm going to go next. Do I go with another guy? No, I'm gonna I'm gonna go somewhere else. A name. Honest to God, I'd never heard of this player ever in my life. Played second baseman for the Royals, was opening a second baseman in 1996. So right in the heyday, right when they were coming down from their big cloud and in, in the big runs. Bip Roberts. Uh, he's on my list. <laughs> Not a name I have ever heard in my life. I'm gonna <laughs> hand up. Never heard Bip Roberts. I saw Royals Review tweeted about him tonight so it was very strange that it actually happened but uh uh, first time i ever seen him came to kansas city during a long like a solid pretty solid mlb career but he was five foot seven inches 150 pounds that's like squints papadoris from sandlot that is Uh, not paladors i remember i just remember bip roberts of the royal i I, that's kind of right that was uh senior year of high school into freshman year of college so they're kind of really paying attention a lot to the base the royals baseball team mm, mm-hmm. Roberts, i remember that remember him being here <laughs> just yeah just bip what a great name bip. bip is a great name yep 313 i'm sorry 283 average pretty solid i mean 69 wrc plus so he was a very uh he hit like a five foot seven 150 pound guy <laughs> light hitting 283 yeah 
Oh, Fangrass has him five seven one sixty five. Maybe he did the Whit Merrifield diet. <laughs> Never all, know. All that protein, all those eggs. That's right. Oh, good old Bip Warot Roberts gonna be my second pick. Brian, what's your Shut second up. pick? Uh, similar to my th- first pick, you said Terry Pendleton brought in at thirty seven. Well, in twenty thirteen, we brought in thirty nine year old. Miguel Tejada, <laughs> a guy that had just been mashing balls his entire career. Yeah. He actually had a nice year for them. He yeah. played 91 games, mostly at third base, had a 288 average, 317 OBP, 90 OPS plus. I mean, that's that's not bad. And he's 39 years old. Yep. Yeah. There, there was a there was a glaring hole at third base at that time, waiting on Mustakas to be ready to play for that team. So uh, they bring in that old bastard, and he, he played really well for us. <laughs> I was really hoping – did they end up trading him at the deadline? I was hoping they would get something back for him, but I don't think they did. I think it was maybe cash. Uh, did they? I can't imagine they actually got something back for him. Uh, did you say 2013? Yeah. No. He did not play for anybody but the Royals that year. <laughs> yeah, not too, not too great. All right, let's make the turn here. And we're going to make a turn for the dark side as well because I'm taking Ambiorix Burgos. Ambulance oh, Burgos is some. <laughs> he came in. Buckle I think up. The uh, Royal signing was a 20-year-old, just kind of off the street, seemed like. And so he pitched at, and on the majors at age 21 and 22 here. The guy was a flamethrower. He didn't have any clue where it was going when he threw it, but everyone just had to watch when this guy pitched. Became the closer his second year. Just – you had to watch him, but we, we stunk back those days, so we traded him to the Mets. We might have saw some red flags character-wise. We got back Brian <laughs> Bannister, which is the opposite of red flags character-wise. So we got we got a win there because he, play, he played for the Mets for one year, and then he became a certified scumbag. In 2008, he gets arrested for beating up his girlfriend. And in between there – and his court date, I'm guessing he's out on bond or whatever. He goes to the Dominican Republic in 2008 and indicted on charges of hit and run in his native American Dominican Republic for a hit and run where he killed two ladies, mm-hmm. drove off, left him, <laughs> uh, turned himself in in October. And then in, he went to jail for the previous domestic incident <laughs> with his girlfriend, mm-hmm. spent nine months in jail got right out of jail in 2010 and said, hey, let me a kidnap and try to poison and kill my ex-wife. He gave his ex-wife <laughs> rat poison, oh, trying boy. to kill her. He was charged with kidnapping and attempted murder. So I think they got rid of him at just the right time. Yeah, sounds so, like it. You want to talk about a star that burned bright. <laughs> <laughs> a guy that could throw gas, and he was also yeah. just a terrible human being. Sure. Yeah. Get him out. That's tough. <laughs> Ambulance That's tough. Burgos. Well, from there, call <laughs> um, that one up. <laughs> let's 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 time out for a second because the Royals did just tie it up at seven. Two outs what? in the bottom of the ninth. Jorge Soler hit a game tying, bases clearing double. You're out of your mind. We just game. talked about him to uh, pick it up. There you go. Unbelievable. And the the clearing <laughs> waivers bump does it again. <laughs> Let's see. Who do we need to – I mean, maybe Chris Bubich plays. He, he's probably pitching the ninth, and he'll blow that. There so that's that's how this is going to go. 
All right, back into the back into the game here. I'm going to go with you spoke about a uh, turnstile guy at third base, Miguel Tejada. In the year 2016, year of our Lord 2016, there was a turnstile out in right field. I mean, we're fresh off the heels of the Nori Aoki uh, experiment, rolled that right into Alex Rios experiment. And then we had somewhat of an old friend, the cousin of an old friend, the cousin of Carlos Beltran, Mr. Raymond Fuentes. Hmm started the for the Royals in right field of all places played 12 games remember him having a pretty solid uh, spring training but he was always just a, a light hitting outfielder who had mm-hmm. a bit of speed he was never going to be Carlos Beltran but you know maybe maybe you could squint and see some no after 12 games they realized that was probably not going to do and then they turned <laughs> their reins over to Paulo Orlando yep. Gerard Dyson uh, Brett Eibner, Billy Burns, and then finally at the end of the year, Hunter Dozier got some reps in right field. That was the year of the right field turnstile in 2016. Kicked off by Raymond <laughs> Raymond Fuentes. Raymond Fuentes. There's a and, name I forgot all about. Yep. And that was only 2016. Yep. <laughs> no idea who that guy is. I don't really. I think you made him up. <laughs> I think you just put in a uh, MLB. Latin name, name generator. <laughs> Raymond Fuentes came out for you. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> yep. I like it. I, I thought maybe, you know, if I squinted, I could see like maybe a center fielder in Raymond Fuentes. I was wrong. That was uh, one of the first times and only times I've ever been wrong about anything. But uh, old Ray Fuentes got me. <laughs> Kitty. So Larry hit a three-run homer in that game earlier. Did he? Oh, did he really? Yes. <laughs> that is awesome. In the eighth yeah. inning, it was seven to three. <laughs> Un- incredible. All right. <laughs> I'm going to go with some of the best facial hair you've ever RBIs. seen in a baseball player, and that is old Sal Fasano. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And in just a great, great Italian name. Great ca- just catcher. Mm-hmm. Just, you just like saying that guy's name. Mm-hmm. Oh, Sal Fasano. Just a fun thing to say. And he had the full beard going with the Royals. And when he went to the Yankees, that mustache was beautiful. <laughs> One Absolutely. of the, the only few benefits of the Yankees no beard policy is when guys go, well, I'm still carrying, I'm still keeping a mustache. Yeah. <laughs> and they go with just creep stash for the longest time <laughs> who is the uh is it mike ford who's the current first baseman for the yankees filling in for Voigt's back now i don't know Voigt is back is mike ford he has like a tom Selleck, big old bushy uh, it was awesome great <laughs> stuff on that on that, that room i just love that sal fasano part of the lost years of 96 to 99 Sure, the dark ages for yeah. sure. Most of, most of my youth of the lost years of the Royals franchise. Mm-hmm. I got to check just, out this mustache. Oh boy! Oh boy! Yeah, right. I just loved Sal Fasano. Just loved him. That name, so good. Wowza, man! He, I mean, he's still rocking it. He's apparently a. Uh, Wikipedia says he was a minor league coach, and boy, has he still got that that horseshoe. I love that horseshoe. All right, Kitty, turning. For my last pick, I'm going to go someone that just made a quick pit stop in the middle of their career at the Royals. 
and that is outfielder Coco Crisp. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was a huge Coco Crisp fan. I Me loved too. that. I loved him being on the Royals. That was mm-hmm. so much fun. Just got that weird, weird left stance <laughs> where he was digging his chin into his right shoulder. Just uh-huh. good times. And we Solid were such player. we were such craving a leadoff center f- and a yep. center fielder. It was like, oh, yes. this guy checks both those boxes. Oh, we're ready. This is it. This 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 is a turnaround. Two thousand. He was only twenty nine years old at the time, too. Yeah, this is the I year for the pumped. Royals. We got this. This is it. We're doing yep. it. <laughs> and then it was the Royals to twenty two thousand nine. So. Yeah, <laughs> we know what happened. <laughs> the uh, one of the weirder parts about that is that was five years removed or five years before the twenty fourteen wild card game, where didn't he score like three times or something like that? In that wild card game, Good. Mm. Uh, got me. I probably made that up. Against but it us, like he used, yeah, yeah. I just remember Brandon Moss at two absolute yes. monster shots against sure us. Sure did, sure did. That's uh, I probably made that up. I'm making well, up a lot of stats this tonight. So he was playing in Oakland 2014 and 15. Yes, so. I know he was in Oakland, but I don't know how many times he scored that game. Weird number to throw out there. Irregardlessly. A regardless, like, yeah, it's true. Goku Chris, I was very, very much in on that game for sure. Oh, I love Coco. Not, not that game, that, that signing. Let's see. He only scored one year. Once, three strikeouts. Just there for one year, just in the middle of his career, just kind of a random pit stop in KC and then moved. Mm-hmm. To Had a three it. in there, though. Did have a three in there. <laughs> <laughs> He had a run, an RBI, two hits, and six plate appearances. That team also had Johnny Gomes, Brandon Moss, had Alberti Cayaspo, which is another name that we throw around in, in this little draft. We're doing part of this draft. Jason Hamill, yeah. I mean, there's a bunch of variable who, who, who's who of uh, former and future Royals on that on that uh, A's team, for sure. Uh, I'm going to round out my – uh, my draft with a little bit of domestic issues, a little bit of uh, problem child as well with old Chucky Knobloch in 2002. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he ended his 12-year career in Kansas City, and he was Nicky Lopez bad. Yeah, he was. He was always synonymous with uh, the yips, yep. going from uh, really good defensively to not at all, admitted to using HGH and also admitting that they didn't help him whatsoever. <laughs> <laughs> he said he hit worse his worst average of his career and he also got big time injured that year that he used them so yeah hgh <laughs> not always performance enhancing apparently but uh he couldn't even put hgh in his arm he was so he had some yips yes yep he's probably gonna miss <laughs> he couldn't even do that right couldn't, couldn't even do that right but he also had uh multiple domestic abuse charges including uh pleading guilty to choking his wife so also Bad human being, Chuck Knobloch, yeah. did have a really cool swing that he used to imitate, and that's about where his redeeming qualities stop. <laughs> I think that's about right. Brian, bring us home with the, the final random royal. Well, I'm going to bring us home, really, because I'm this whole thing's going to come for a circle on me. I said, Solarity's pick it up, and who's been doing it for us all year in the pen? Scotty Barlow. Who's mm-hmm. pitching right now in the ninth with two runners on? Scott Barlow. So we'll just uh, wait back and see what happens here. But I'm going to go ahead and draft a player. Let's take it back to for our older fans like my old ass when I was a kid. 
<laughs> and it's the first and maybe the only Royals autograph I ever sought out and got. And that was when we got Gary Gaetti back Ooh. in 1993. The G-Man. The California Angels just midseason just released him. Just said, go away. You're not good enough. He came <laughs> here and had a good some good years. Yeah. Uh, uh, he played here for 34 to 36 age seasons, 1993 to 1995. During that time, he had a 108 OPS plus. Final year in KC, he was 10th in MVP voting. And that's a guy that they just said, go on, get the California uh-huh. Angels. And Gary Gaetti, we just said, with arms wide open, come come right on in, Gary Gaetti. And he, <laughs> he played really well for us. I, I always like to watch Gary Gaetti play. Could he bash the ball. 10th in MVP voting in 95 for the Royals. That's what I just said. As a 36-year-old. Yep. I mean, just, yeah, I mean, one of those old guys that just got a gun still. Even yep. though you're old as can be, just that run him out there. He'll get his, he'll do, he'll do his thing every day. Just can count on Gaetti to do, his, do what he needs to. I mean, for years after that, we were looking for Gary Gaetti again, and we just couldn't find him until really uh-huh. Moose came around. Yeah. Tried to find, well, then you find uh, Bruce Atlantic as the next Gary Gaetti. Weird yeah. Gene last name. Just go with yep. him next. I love the Mark- Joker years. Joe Randa. Yep. I always love Joe Randa. Mark Tien was over there for a little bit. Yep. I found a picture of Gary Gaetti, his B ref. A profile picture <laughs> he's got I a need, handlebar i need you to see this because i need this looks like somebody that all of us are familiar with and i cannot wait for a major league <laughs> or a rookie of the year neither hold on tell me when you can see this oh shit oh who's that look like i don't know Former co-host of the Clearing Waivers podcast, Rance Wait. Oh no, there. that's just rude. <laughs> this will not end well. Uh, it looks, I mean, it, does that face not scream? What are you doing? There's a little rance in that face. That's 100 rance in that. Uh, no, it's no John. Rance doesn't listen to this. That's He's, true. This is fine. <laughs> That was fun. I, uh, I I do genuinely enjoy talking about all Royals uh, names and and faces of the of our fandom. Lot not not very far back in the past, we didn't go. And there was a lot of lot of random Royals in those dark ages. Yeah, I, I really found myself locked into that ninety six to 04. Yep, for myself, <laughs> it's a relative gold uh, gold mine for sure. Like, did you know Hideo Nomo? pitched here in I 2008 39 yep. years old i forgot yep. about pitching for royals 4.1 in his pitch nine earned runs never heard from <laughs> again yep <laughs> another one of those guys i was a uh, I was a uh, reclamation project <laughs> yep yeah <laughs> rick they, and keel he had some kind of refound velocity or something they were all yep. excited about they were selling us a bill of goods and four and four innings. <laughs> i liked and keel i liked uh yep. doug mankavich Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bring us all these washed up bastards. I was a big fan of Mike Jacobs when he showed up because he was a 30 home run hitter and then he just hit like 219. Kai Hui, he was going to be the next big basher. Yep. He never gave Calvin Pickering a chance. Yeah. (laughs) D Brown, speaking of power hitter, John Nunnally. Nunnally. (laughs) Great names. Emil Brown. Tim Belcher. He was good for like two years for us. Kevin McReynolds, I liked as well. That's a good name too. Yeah. Oh, who was that? Greg Jeffries. 
Oh yes. yeah. Greg Gaga. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Not three G's. <clears throat> Two. <laughs> and I always mixed up. Let's see. Ryan Healy, Mike Jacobs, and Ross Glode were like three first basemen that I was really hoping would pan out there right in a row between Minkavich and I think Billy Butler started after that. So three first basemen that I was really looking forward to seeing and didn't really pan out. Yeah, I really wanted Kai Hui to be somebody because yep. he was just a fun guy and he was a yep. monster at the plate. Great so. name to say all the time, too. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's going to do it for the Cleaners podcast this week. Uh, we appreciate you joining us for another episode. We appreciate you joining us for any episode. Let's be honest here. Um, we uh, would appreciate if you could go give us a review on the iTunes. Go give us a, uh, a like and a follow on the social medias. Go subscribe to the YouTube channel where uh, where you can see our faces every week. It's it's glorious. Let me tell you, you can see uh, see all the things that we're doing behind the scenes as we're looking for uh, facts to check. Um, but uh, we would appreciate <laughs> any more support that you can give us. Share it with a friend. We always appreciate it. Go check out the great work over at RoyalsReview.com. Uh, hopefully, there's going to be a good outcome tonight. And Scott Barlow is not going to give up a, 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 a game walk-off. Uh, definitely not didn't okay um well we'll see uh, we'll see how it goes we'll talk to you next week ta ta for now